Hello, hello, hello. Ladies and gentlemen, 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 how are we doing? God, it feels like ages. Feels like it's been a while, you know that? And it hasn't been all that long, but we are back once again. You're very welcome. This is, once again, the James Hempton Show. Have a seat, sit down, relax. Got a special episode for you. Always do, with a very special person as well. Mr. Dan Campion, join me. And yes, we are discussing one of the greatest books ever written. And I don't say that lightly either. This is one of the greatest books ever written. It is a book by Dale Carnegie. And he wrote a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I tell you one thing, it's absolutely amazing. So this book, it's all based around... You know, how to change people's behaviors by changing your own, how to become a more likable person, how to become a leader, um, and how to just avoid conflict and always find a resolution. This book's absolutely amazing. So myself and Dan, we sat down to discuss uh, five of the principles that were in the book. Um, Yeah, and the five of them principles were don't criticize, condemn, or complain. Another one was to smile. Um, Another one of the principles was do not argue. Nobody wins in an argument ever. No one ever wins an argument. It just doesn't happen. So avoid it at all costs and try and find a resolution. Um, what else do we have in there? Do, 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 influence others. Yeah, there's uh, some great stories. Always become interested in other people. That's a really key one. Always become interested in other people. That's a great way to build friendships um, and build rapport with people, which is so critically important um, because... You know, there's nothing better than developing your people skills. And this is what this episode is all about. So listen, sit back, relax, enjoy. Uh, and once again, I just want to say thank you very much to Dan for coming on. Um, always have great conversations together. And he is someone that I just love being around. So yeah, um, before I go, before we get into the episode, please, if you haven't already, su- subscribe, follow. And if you're enjoying the episode, please share it with a friend as well because there's always some value hidden away in there somewhere and you might learn something new. So uh, yeah, listen, hope you're having a good day or good evening or good night. Sit back, relax, enjoy and all the best. water the world is full of magic magic things patient waiting for our senses to grow sharper wb8 that's mad i had a conversation with someone today about uh, a higher sense of awareness two conversations about this exact thing yeah and that everything is there we, we're just not at a level of consciousness yet to be able to observe it i think that's the next evolution yeah, but even even within ourselves, like I am now more conscious than I was three or four years ago because yeah. I'm now more aware of me, all this stuff, how I interact with you. I'm way more aware. But I was a fucking zombie before, like, yeah. and I thought I was doing well. I always say that as well. Like before, I came across meditation. I was sleepwalking through life, genuinely, exactly, genuinely. I swear to God. And what has meditation given you? That awareness. 
the senses are much sharper. Sharper senses, yeah. But um, yeah, I think that's so true. And what else do you think? Just conversation with people or just the job that you do? Or? All of it. Yeah. Um, struggling myself, seeing people really struggle in the clinic. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a massive thing as well. Yeah, seeing uh, people. Seeing people. Um, having my kids, my relationship with my missus. Yeah. Podcasting conversation, meeting Brian. Are we rolling? Are we? We're live. Yeah, we're, it's, it's on now. Good to go. Um, yeah, all that stuff has, yeah. has helped me. Yeah. yeah, we leave this between us. I don't know if you can read my writing now. Ah, we'll play around. We'll play around. Yeah. We get into it. We'll get going. Over to you. Dan, boss. the man. How are we doing, sir? Mr. James Hampton. Great to be back. We're back again. Episode 12. It hasn't taken all that long. I think I had you on. I think it was episode 3. And, uh, was it 3? Yeah. It was 3. I actually checked it today. It was 3. So it's, uh, it's not been that long. I've actually had a few guests coming back on already. Do you have many? Does that happen on your own podcast? Uh, I have quite a few repeat guests. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's nice to have that, isn't it? Yeah. There's a sense of familiarity there. And like everyone says this at the end of the podcast, I say it all the time. I must yeah. have you back on. And then I do have to back on to, to try and, because f- you, you go off on tangents mm. and you want to make sure that you don't just leave that as an open loop. You want to come back to it. And, Definitely and so. And, and not even just that. It's like you actually become more comfortable with the person. Obviously, the more you see them, the more yeah. you're with them. And then from that, like, like you said, familiarity and that that feeling of being comfortable with someone when you become more comfortable with someone you can start kind of expanding the conversation out more and more like new possibilities come i suppose yeah did i discuss this with you after i met you that i think when you meet someone first i always describe it as like your avatars are meeting so (laughs) the the image or the persona i like to portray to the world all the best parts of me actually i heard this very interesting bit about relationships today same point when you get into a relationship with somebody either romantic or whatever friendly relationship it's the honeymoon period which is all the best parts of me that i'm marketing myself with yeah meet all the best parts of you that you're marketing yourself with and they interact but it's not really me and you interacting and as we get to know each other a little bit more and develop that little bit of trust and that can happen over minutes hours days months whatever yeah we start to drop those or can't hide our true selves anymore, whatever you want to look at it. And gradually our real selves start to interact Come with true. each other a little bit more. And depending on how much work you've done yourself will depend on how deep you go into your real self. Does that make sense? That's interesting. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, but now, now we obviously know each other quite a long time. Quite a yeah. long time. What, what have we known? A year? Well, it's still fresh, to be honest. Like, although we've known each other, it's actually are we still no less... Longer, are we still in the honeymoon period? It's less well, what, what, so, don't, we've already always been in the honeymoon period. Who knows? But I think, uh, yeah, no, I came into you on the 26th of April. So it's less The 26th than, of April? Yeah. yeah. Checked there the other day, yeah. So it's oh, ten, 10 months ago. Literally 10 months ago. Okay, yeah, So yeah, it's yeah. short. But we haven't seen each other all that much. Like, we're in and out. We obviously know each other quite a while now, yeah. I suppose. But, uh, yeah, it grows from there. But I suppose, like, in, in that sense, with a relationship sense, you obviously want to put up the best front that you can at the marketing. beginning. It's marketing, exactly. <laughs> it's business marketing. That's exactly what it is. Listen, we're going to get into a book that's kind of based around business and everything else. Um, something that you listened to recently, I did too, and then I read a bit of the book as well. But it's a book that's it's kind of one of them books, you know, you read a book, it does actually resonate a lot with you. And I, I feel already it has a bit of, it's had, it has had a, an effect on just you know, my day-to-day living. Because it's a book all about people. The book is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And myself and Dan are going to be sitting down here today and discussing a few topics about the book, a few of the principles that are in it. But um, before we get into it, how did you find listening to it, Dan? Really enjoyed the experience. Yeah. This has been a book that's probably on all of the recommended reading books when you look at the world of personal or development or business book. development. Yeah. And I've never, I'd never read it. Mm. And when you said it to me, I had it was next on my Audible to listen to list so yep. I actually sorry it was, it was 
I was going to listen to Naval's um, The Almanac of Naval again. So I bumped it, especially yeah. for this podcast. I bumped it to the more spot on the list. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed the experience. It's well narrated and really, really enjoyable. But it's funny, only reading it now after having heard about it for like 15 years, how many of the principles that I have not adopted, but I've come across in life. Just naturally. Naturally, yeah. which have probably at some point filtered down from somebody reading this book and then interacting with me and me observing that. And then yeah. going, that's a nice way to deal with people. And then obviously trying to adopt it into my own life. And that's the great thing about it. It's all about human nature. It's how we interact with one another. It's about becoming a better person to be around. I think there's so some leadership um, elements in it too as well. Yeah. I think towards the end of the book. I was more interested in kind of the making friends part of it. Because I just, well, yeah. Interesting question for you. Yeah. Straight off the bat, you're on yeah. the back foot. I'm going to ask you go a question. Go for it, go for it. It says, the title of the book is How to Win Friends win and friends. Influence People. Not make friends. Yeah, yeah. Anybody that I, anybody who's not familiar with the book or who's in this like personal development sphere or whatever, mm. and I mention the name of this book to them, they immediately think it's negative. No. Because to, to win friends, like, well, you shouldn't have to win friends. True, yeah. friends and influence people. And there's a negative connotation to the word influence. Well, you can influence people in the right direction. But the thing is, it's, it's, it's all your own ideologies and beliefs that you're trying to portray onto other people. Exactly. And we all do this because we believe that we think the, that we think the best way. Of course we do. We, we believe in it, yeah. which is quite interesting. But it only gets a book that's um, manipulative. I, I think it's a book where you're trying to become a better person for people to be around. I don't think there's any negative connotations in terms of you're trying to manipulate people for, you know, it's all about kind of resolving arguments and just um, finding resolutions for situations. And, you know, we'll touch on a few principles now in a second, but it's, I don't think there's any kind of power plays is what I'm trying to say. He addresses it in the book. Do you remember the bits where he addresses this in the book? There's, there's two interesting things I, f- I found mm. outside of the principles we're going to talk about. Yeah. One is he speaks about, well, he actually addresses that point directly where he talks about um, it must be genuine. Yes. So all of these techniques that you're employing. Oh, sincerity. Yeah. It yeah. has to be sincere. Yeah. Because if you're just doing these things to manipulate somebody because you want something and it's not sincere, mm. well, then there's an issue there. There is a negative connotation to that. The other thing he mentions, because I think about this a lot, it's always something that I, I, I come across is if you are doing something because you want to feel good as a result of doing that thing, even if that thing is helping somebody else. So, for example, if you donate to charity yeah. because you want to help people, because helping people makes you feel good, is that a problem? And I think in this book he says that's not a problem because ultimately we all want something out of everything we do. That's why we do things. Yeah. So well, it gives also people a feeling of importance as well. Exactly. And I think I actually remember that because I think there was a Rockefeller at one stage, an example he gave was that he was donating to some, I think it was some hospital in China or something. He was giving them like a million dollars or something like that. But he, he would do that because it would make him feel important and feel like, like you said there, he was giving something to people. So it's interesting. Is, is that a negative thing when someone's doing a positive, but they know the reward that they will get in return? Yeah, because some people would say it doesn't count because all you want is that feeling of importance. And well, my view on it would that, be, we all have these needs. We yeah. all need to feel important and need to feel connected and all that kind of stuff. And if, if somebody else can benefit and I benefit, that's a win-win. Yeah, it, so that possibly couldn't be a negative thing, no? It could be. It, well, it could be. Yeah. It could be. But it, I can see how it could be viewed as negative. It could be viewed as negative, but it is. I don't it, think it's negative. No, I don't. personally, I don't think it's negative. Yeah. And, and apparently, Dale Carnegie doesn't think it's negative either, yeah. because we all have these innate desires, and anybody who thinks that we don't, like, is is there such a thing as a selfless act? Because I think no, everything's selfish in nature. Yeah, I don't it know just the is answer, because, because I, I like I I I you always have to look after yourself before you look after anyone else. It's it's that whole you know like the when you're on the plane you put on your own life jacket first, 
and then you put on someone else's, whoever you're caring for after that, it always starts with you. Because if you are not taking care of yourself and not really looking after yourself, like how you should be, you can't really look after or love or do anything else for anyone else unless you just do that for yourself first. So maybe getting this feeling of importance or doing something that's gracious and that looks good. (sighs) I mean, you're, you're doing it because it's obviously a good thing to do. It's out of goodwill. But you know, in return, that's going to make you feel good as well. So yeah. it's a strange thing. There's, there's two elements to what you're speaking about. Because the second part, you just said <coughs> taking care of yourself first. This whole put your own oxygen mask on first. Yeah. I did a podcast recently with Gavin Meenan. I don't know if you hear that one. I have. I didn't. I heard clips of it. And I didn't he hear. spoke about being a selfish servant. Mm. So in order to be a servant, you have to be selfish. You have to take care of yourself because yeah. if you can't, you're not in a position to take care of other people. Yeah. So you have to be selfish to be able to serve. Um, but yeah, I, f- I find that very, very interesting. Um, I think it's really important. I actually did hear a clip from 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 one of your reels, and he mentioned how he would like segregate his morning as a selfish act, so he could be more selfish during the day. Exactly. But I think I, th- I think it's a yeah, that's it's an important thing to do. Yeah. Because you can't show as the person that you want to be if you're not taking that time and energy and investing it back in yourself. No. It's very important. And he's a very contentious because I heard this portrayed this way as well particularly about Irish people mm. the, the whole Irish mammy syndrome is that it's easier sometimes to selflessly you know, selflessly take care of other people at your own cost because it means you don't have to acknowledge that there's things you need to work on yourself wow. so the Irish mammy thing is you look after uh, Irish women are notorious for this um, mm. and bless them like look after everybody else first and I'll come last and it seems selfless, but some people, and this, some people wouldn't be me, I don't know how I feel about it yet, but yeah. would say that that's actually selfish because you're not doing the hard work on yourself, which would in turn allow you to be better for other people because <laughs> you're, focusing, you're, you're outsourcing to those other that's people. That's another paradox as well, the isn't it? One. That's the yeah, one. that's... Jesus, that's an interesting one. Because when you think about the Irish mammy always taking care of you, you're like, oh God, she's doing, she's, she's doing it out of love. Yeah. But there is an argument to be made there. Maybe she's avoiding having to work on herself. Maybe so. By focusing on other people's problems. Can you be that selfless that you would do everything for everyone else but not well, do we it for yourself? The question, we? Yeah. Who what, knows? What about this last one before we actually yeah, get into yeah, the reason we're talking about this stuff? What about someone who runs into a burning building to save somebody else? How does that serve them? I'm sure they don't feel like a hero. I'm sure they're pissing themselves about to run into this building. That's... Like, is that a self... Is that a, is selfish? That a truly selfless act? Oh, that's as selfless as it gets, no? Yeah. I think so. You're risking your own life for someone else. Yeah, that's different than just donating to charity. This has became very extreme, but it, very extreme. yeah, <laughs> for a reason. Yeah, but no, interesting. Look, oh, yeah, I think I think that's the most Jesus to give your life for someone else's. Yeah, that courage and bravery. That, I think. That's selfless. I think. Yeah. So maybe I'll correct myself and say maybe there is a selfless. Act. I think that would be a definition of selfless. Yeah. Is to give unless up you the, think you're gonna if you're religious and think you're gonna get into heaven. Well, there you go. You might, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm taking you way off track here. You, you'd be thinking too far ahead in that, in that <laughs> yeah, case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that case. Just playing the long game. The long game, indeed. Right, I'll, Dan, I'll, I'll let you get started. We'll get into it. I've never done a book review like this before, like I said, before we got going. So it'll uh, it'll be quite interesting. And uh, I think it's something that's definitely needed. Because you know when you read a book, you do want to be able to remember what you've learned. And no better place to do it than, than sitting down and talking to someone that's that listened to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm I'm really on this buzz at the moment of trying to reread books that you read. A core, a core library of books that I think are important, as opposed to just consume a load of information. Because mm. like that whole idea of mental masturbation and just consuming all the information and feeling good because you read the book. Mm. I'm, yeah, I'm not I'm not there. I'm kind of want to keep reading stuff like this over and over again to re- reinforce the points. I think that's really important, and I think even even the 
the fact of it like if you've read something instead of rushing on to the next book do a little review for yourself going yeah. what have i actually learned from this and how is this because when you read something you actually do want it to change your life in a way that you you've absorbed that information and like this is what i love about this book is that it's so applicable to your own life yeah. and i think it's just it's in general it's just a great book it's like a human it's just human relations and and he actually wrote this book because he couldn't find another book about what he what this book is all about, about human nature and how they interact and and uh, and be with one another. But we'll get into it. So we're gonna do we're gonna go over five principles. Um and the ones that kinda interest me the most, like I said, were at the at the beginning of the book. And the first one then, I'm gonna kick it off, is do not criticize, condemn, or complain. Um, which is a really interesting topic. And this yeah, it comes back to like human relations. Especially the criticism, how detrimental criticism would can be and it got me thinking back to, you know, you want to kind of reflect when you're reading something like this, and obviously criticism is so detrimental in the sense when you criticize someone else, first off, they become defensive because you're attacking their pride, their ego, you're attacking them as well. And then they put up a wall, a barrier, they become quite resentful towards you, there's hard feelings involved. I was trying to think back to a time where I've ever felt like that. And I think when I think back to uh, like maybe school, school, a lot of that in school, maybe teachers on your back about this and that. Was there any time in your life that you felt that, was there anything that kind of sticks out where you were criticized for something, anything in particular? And how did that make you feel? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd yeah. probably a hundred times in the last two weeks, I'd say. Oh, really? That reason? No, I, I think it's more, I think for you it might be more recent than you might think as well. Because for me, when I look at that, criticism can come in it's it's very rare to be openly criticized and it's very yeah. rare someone would openly criticize it to your face yeah but there's subtle criticisms and if you have friends or a relationship or family just constant undertones of criticism oh there that's so true that's so true so it might not necessarily be a an overt you're a piece of shit i don't remember the last time that well actually i do probably probably two weeks ago on a football pitch but that's yeah. different uh but there's always an undertone of criticism that's so true and do you know why I'm agreeing with you God, just, you it, hap- it actually happened today there you go today for you not, not in school I knew it was more recent no yeah definitely more recent because on, you want to tell us what happened I, I, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was but it was an interaction with my mom earlier on I can't remember she said something to me and I got defensive straight away about yeah. it and then I, I literally in that split second go fuck yeah. that, that's what it is yeah. I literally as soon as anyone critiques you in any way it's just your, your ego it just does not want to be criticised yeah and it can be, I suppose, in more severe cases. Like, I suppose if you're a manager in a business or even run your own business and you have people around you, you have to understand that criticism is just like, the worst thing is to put someone down because you're not going to get the best out of them. And then the opposite of that is to be encouraging. If you're critiquing someone the whole time, they're not going to perform very well. But if you're doing the opposite of that, which is to encourage, you're going to bring people up. You're going to, it's just going to, it's going to bring them to a new place. And you've probably felt it before playing football or even, you know, people um, commenting and acknowledging on the podcast you're doing. When you hear a good compliment, it, it is very encouraging and it fills you with you know, that lovely feeling inside of satisfaction that you're doing something right. But it just, I think one thing that I learned from <clears throat> is that criticism is just so detrimental and there's no good that comes from it. Was there, was there, can you remember any stories maybe from, oh, there is actually something that you mentioned recently when we were together, the whole um, story about Father Forgets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we could talk about that for a sec, actually, because you remember that, yeah. Yeah, that hit me hard. I was, I was Brilliant story. When, when that hit me, um, I obviously have two children. Mm. 
and I am a son, so it was it was very relevant. Yeah. And uh, what was the? I'm gonna. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to absolutely butcher this, so I'm going to see. Can I pull up the author of this poem called "Father Forget"? So he oh, actually, to, would it be in there? It's here. Yeah, yeah. I'll get it for you. Um, I was going to ask you before you came in. I didn't. It didn't cross my mind up until now. But I was going to ask you. you want to read it? For, oh yeah. Will I, will I read it? Have you got it there? Yeah, I've got it here. Yeah. Um, I do indeed. Shields. Wonder if they sit here. Here we go. Father forgets. It's quite long. Do you want me to read it? Let's read it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Would you like do to read it? Do you want me to read it? I'll read it. I'll read you read it. You read it. Start there. Start there. Our Liv- Livingston. Is it Land? Land W. Land. Livingston Land. Land Father forgets. Um, so this, this poem apparently is extremely famous and has been used in multiple different um, talks and speeches and stuff mm. all over the world and has a massive impact on most people who come across it who read it because emotionally this stuck a, struck a chord at me yeah because most people even re- it will recognize either themselves as the child or themselves as the father yeah in or, or the mother i suppose in this yeah. situation here um, and i'll read it and then we can go for it, go for it then, afterwards. Yeah. so father forgets w livingston learn let's say learned or learn it because i mm. butchered that name listen son i am saying this to you as you lie asleep one little paw crumpled under your cheek and the blonde curls stickily wet on your damp forehead I have stolen into your room alone. Just a few minutes ago, as I sat reading my paper in the library, a stifling wave of remorse swept over me. Guiltily, I came to your bedside. There, there are the things I was thinking, son. I had been cross to you. I scolded you as you were dressing for school because you gave your face merely a dab with a towel. I took you to task for not cleaning your shoes. I called out angrily when you threw some of your things on the floor. At breakfast, I found fault too. You spilled things. You gulped down your food. You put your elbows on the table. You spread your butter too thick on your bread. And as you started off to play and I made for my train, you turned and waved a hand and called, Goodbye, Daddy. And I frowned and said in reply, Hold your shoulders back. Then it began all over again in the late afternoon. As I came up the road, I spied you down on your knees playing marbles. There were holes in your stockings. I humiliated you before your boyfriends by marching you ahead of me to the house. Stockings were expensive. And if you had to buy them, you would be more careful. Imagine that, son, from a father. Do you remember later when I was reading in the library how you came in timidly with a sort of hurt, sort of hurt look in your eyes? When I glanced up over my paper, impatient at the interruption, you hesitated at the door. What is it that you want? I snapped. You said nothing but ran across in one tempestuous plunge and threw your arms around my neck and kissed me. And your small arms tightened with an affection that God had set blooming in your heart and which even neglect could not wither. And then you were gone, pattering up the stairs. Well, son, it was shortly afterwards that my paper slipped from my hands and a terrible, sickening fear came over me. What has habit been doing to me? The habit of finding fault, of reprimanding. This was my reward to you for being a boy. It was not that I did not love you. It was that I expected too much of youth. I was measuring you by the yardstick of my own years. And there was so much that was good and fine and true in your character. The little heart of you was as big as the dawn itself over the wide hills. This was shown by your spontaneous impulse to rush in and kiss me goodnight. Nothing else matters tonight, son. I have come to your bedside in the darkness and I have knelt there, ashamed. It is a feeble atonement. I know you would not understand these things if I told them to you during the waking hours. But tomorrow I will be a real daddy. I will chum with you and suffer when you suffer and laugh when you laugh. I will bite my tongue when impatient words come. I will keep saying, as if it were a ritual, 
He was nothing but a boy, a little boy. I am afraid I have visualized you as a man. Yet I see you now, son, crumpled and weary in your cot. I see that you are still a baby. Yesterday you were in your mother's arms, your head on her shoulder. I have asked too much, too much. Brilliant. It's nuts, isn't it? That's crazy. I'm actually emotional reading that again. It's so now. good. It's so yeah. I think I got a bit more emotional when I actually read it. Yeah. It is. It's it's something else, and it just it's so relevant the way he was, you know, cutting him and condemning him the whole time. Quick to criticize. Quick to criticize. Very yeah. quick to criticize, and just not realizing. Obviously, in this situation, it's a little boy. You know what I mean? It's his son. Hundred percent. Yeah. But I think I'd say most fathers, like if you're somewhat aware, would have that uh, realization every so often. But it, it isn't it very hard sometimes that you lose that awareness that you don't see him as a little boy because maybe you're angry or something you're projecting anger or whatever else is out into the world, and then every so often it's like the penny drops once again. Yeah, and then you, he'll grow up too as well. Hundred percent. Like, there's, there's obviously depths to this book because you could read this at a service level, but something like this, like generational trauma, comes up. Obviously, hmm. he, he was he was treated a certain way by his father. Yeah. So it's just natural for him to treat his son that way. Very true. And he doesn't necessarily see it until he sees it. And when mm. he sees it, it hits him like a ton of bricks. Yeah. He's devastated by this. I'm trying to treat this young fella like a, like a man and he's yeah. a boy. Let him be a boy. Um, and like you, I know you consume a lot of the same content that I would do. Peterson speaks about this, about like those years of youth. Yeah. And it's easy when you're not feeling good to miss that mm. because you're caught up in your own shit and your own anger and your own frustration and your own and you just want like why can't you just be why can't you just and it's that why can't you just kind yeah. of feeling um, whereas if you're more comfortable with yourself or you recognise this kind of you recognise that you've been triggered in some way and that's why you're passing this along that's quite interesting because I, I think we are coming to a stage now obviously as the generations go on that we're becoming more aware and aware and even if you think to like Two generations ago, it's like you're almost like a carbon copy of how your father was. And now things are so different, I suppose, in the in the freedom of information. And like you, you touched on it before we got going on this podcast, like just having some sort of awareness around just maybe your thoughts, your feelings, how you are with other people as well. Yeah. It's like you can have a completely different outlook and actually realize whatever's happened to you previously that that doesn't have to, you know, predict what's going to happen to you in the future, or how you're going to act in the future. Um, which is quite interesting. That I think, yeah, that father forgets. It really hits a chord. It's crazy, and um, it just goes to show that like affection, the affection of the little boy wrapping his arms around him was was something that kind of just, yeah, it uh, it tore him up inside, which is brilliant. Um, so that was based around kind of condemning him, uh, criticism. And then anything got to do with complaints. I don't think there was was there all that much about well, like from from this all these principles. It was less about what I was hearing in the book and more about I was it was getting like images of my own life in it. Yeah. And I think about if you criticize and if you complain, it immediately not only does it affect the person you're criticizing or complaining to or about, it yeah. affects you. I'll be because when you yeah. criticize somebody, it, it does something to your mental state. If I'm criticizing you, for example, it You're finding fault, first off. I'm finding fault, so I'm already in that fault finding mode. Yeah. And it tends to falsely elevate me above you, mm. which is not actually a nice feeling. We think we want to be elevated like that. Great point. But it's not actually a nice feeling. So I actually suffer from criticizing you. Yeah. Um, and also, if I complain, again, it puts me in that negative mindset. So uh, like Pat Dively said it to me, I don't know who he was quoting, but he said, when you point a finger at somebody, there's three fingers pointing at the camera. You point a finger at somebody, there's three yeah. fingers pointing back at you. Yeah. So usually if I'm finding fault in something, it's my fault. Uh, it's the fault. I have the fault. Yeah. I'm trying to 
defer project it. that project it you. yeah I think that's what it is so I it's actually hurting me to do this yeah that's so interesting you said that I think <coughs> everything that we are is just a protect like our whole world is just trauma it's, it's all trauma it's all trauma but it's like it's everything's just a projection of us yeah. so how we see the world is 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 how it's projected back at ourselves exactly so like you said if you're criticizing or you're complaining towards someone that's something that's going on in your own mental state or whatever it is or just yeah. and you're, you're creating all, a world of negativity for yourself yeah. yeah and then your whole perspective is off because of it was there was there any other stories that stuck out um, on, the, on that principle no I feel like we've covered we've covered that mm. there. like it's mo- as we said earlier on most of these are very very similar yeah and they all kind of come back to taking a moment to really gain awareness around a certain situation yeah what would this call for and in most cases it's a positive approach not a negative yeah. approach. So i think th- there was one story that sticks out in my mind um from this principle and it was got to do with i think it was abraham lincoln and he was working as a lawyer at the time and he would openly criticize his opponents that yeah. he would go to in court and he would write in newspapers how they were this and that and he would really kind of just make them a laughing stock of the of the state or the city that he was in and it got to a point where he offended a man called, I think his name was James Shields. And this man, you know, he took it to heart. He took it seriously. Everyone was laughing at him in the, in the area. And he just had, he was fed up of it because Lincoln was doing this over and over again. So he challenged him to a duel. Now, I can't remember what the duel was, but it's it's basically, I think it's where you're on the horse and you've got long pole. I, I, I could be butchering this now. What is that? Do you know what? in those days was is you, it, you march 10 paces and turn and shoot. Oh, well, I don't know if they had guns. I'm not sure. He was training for it anyway. He had to go to, he got to go off and train, right? And then one Sunday morning, I think it was at the Mississippi River, that sticks out my in mind. Lincoln's era. Did they have guns in Lincoln's era? I don't know if they did. I think they might have had muskets. So I don't know. I don't know what they're speaking out of a fucking ass. I'm not too sure. But anyway, so they were due to have that duel the Sunday morning, the Mississippi Mississippi River. They go down, they meet, and then it just gets broken up and it never happens. But the realization that Lincoln had after was if I keep on condemning people and criticizing, they're going to come after me and they want to kill me. And he, it only was like when it got as serious as that, as he was going to fight to the death, that he realized I can't continue this way because there's no benefit here if everyone's out to get me because of how openly I'm critiquing them. Like that's, it's not a positive trait. And he actually learned this lesson because <clears throat> there's another half to the story <clears throat> when he becomes, I think uh, he's president of America now at this stage or he's in charge of the country and there's a war going on. And he's in the White House or somewhere of of, uh, of importance, somewhere of importance. And like I said, there's a war going on and he's got his general in the field. And his general's name is Captain Meade, I think it is. Anyway, it's towards the end of the war and they have the opposition surrounded. So the opposition have been backed into a corner where the rivers... The tide came in. Yes, yes, yes. The river of this bank had burst and it overflowed and it was impassable. You couldn't get over it. You couldn't get past it. And Meade was out in the field. He receives this letter from Lincoln saying, go attack, go finish the job, just get it done. I'll see you later. Meade reads the letter and takes no action at all. He delays, he delays, he delays. And the river, the water levels, they drop down. And then once again, the river is passable and the opposition, they get across the river and they go and they head for home. And Meade is then going back towards, I think it is the White House. And Lincoln writes down, he's raging now. He's going crazy. He's going, why didn't this man just command the order and go do what I do? So he writes down aggressively, getting all his anger out into the page, writing all these commands out, this and that. And then as soon as he's finished the letter, he stops. And he thinks, how is Meade going to respond to me if I send him this letter and he receives it? What's he going to think of me? It's going to cause feeling of resentment. 
It's going to cause maybe a feeling of hatred. He might step down as the general. He's been a great general for me. And then he started considering his situation. He started thinking, Meade's been out in the depths of it, on the field, hearing all these sheiks of gunshots, seeing dead bodies, broken skulls, everything. And he just took a second to consider before he criticized. And he put the letter into his drawer and locked it away. Never sent Never it. Sent it. Never yeah. sent it. And I thought it was powerful because he actually did end up learning the lesson. But he had to catch himself before he was about to do something that would have been very detrimental. Because that's the thing with criticism. You kind of destroy relationships and friendships. And there's no cooperation thereafter. If you critique someone, people are not going to be on the same team. I, I just, what it really made me realize, Dan, is like if how you work in a team, in a team base, because I think the majority of people will be working with a boss or with colleagues or whatever, just to have just so people have the awareness if you're critiquing someone and putting them down they're not going to respond well to that because you're really you're you're affecting you're killing their pride you know what i mean you're you're taking shots at them and just if if you're on the receiving end you know it's not nice it doesn't feel good at all but um i think that was a story that stood out and i'm trying to think i think that's that's yeah, basically the funny thing is the letters are hilarious because like we wrote a very angry letter and it's like you sir <laughs> a tyrant of the lowest level <laughs> It'd be a word quite funny compared to what we know nowadays. Compared to <coughs> the angry texts that are sent nowadays. Def- yeah. Definitely so, definitely so. But I think that's everything got to do with criticism anyway. I think, like I said, the opposite of criticism is encouragement. And encouragement is really key. And actually, I think I read it in Beyond Order as well. Peterson did me, uh, mention it. It's like, it's something that's definitely lacking. Like, peep, everyone needs encouragement. You think when you're, and this is probably another point we'll touch on, another principle as well. But when you're younger, you get so much encouragement. Oh, Dan, you're t- doing great playing football and this and that. But as we get older, people don't nourish that. Like, you still need, for your self-esteem, this is another point, but for your self-esteem, you need that encouragement. That's going to bring you up and make you better. It makes you, like, want to cooperate more as well yeah. when you're encouraged to do things. But, um... Did you ever hear this idea of brother, brother wounds? No. Brother wounds. Was it... Who was it that introduced me to brother wounds? It was Dara Stewart, I think. <clears throat> and it's more of a masculine thing. There's, there's a feminine um, version of it as well. But hmm. as we get older especially nowadays, shout out to um, Sebastian Younger and Tribe, but becoming more and more, have you read Tribe? No. Oh, you love it, man. This is it a book? Yeah, it's a book by Sebastian Younger. Listen yeah. to his episode on Rogan first, Younger with a J. He's a war journalist. He writes this book called Tribe. It's phenomenal. But essentially, what he's describing is the, the fractioning of community. So we're all becoming more and more divided in our individual pursuits. So whereas before, and in some communities nowadays, it's a, it's a group pursuit. Hmm. So we're all in it together and we all have our role within the group and we all contribute towards the group. We like to think that's what we do now, but we're all very individually focused. So we have our own jobs. And even within the family unit, we have your own jobs, you make your own money, you make your own way, you get your own promotion and it's all for your own gain. It's all individual. Yeah, it's all individual. Um, so we've no, none of that sense of community there. And the um, th- that kind of f- fractioning, fracturing, excuse me, hmm. of community is what, what was the point with the, the the last point you made there was i was on about talking about encouragement encouragement i've completely forgotten where i was going with that point now so i was talking about encouragement i'd mentioned peterson what the peterson um say? and i was on about like even at this age now even at Sorry, an older yeah, yeah it brought me right back on yeah because like where am i going with this yeah. um, at this age now so the older we get the more down that individual path that we go because when we're younger we're in school we still have all the social circles social structure we're kind of part of communities loads of kids in the road all that kind of stuff but as you get older and you go to school and you go to college and you go get your job you become more and more and more into that individual mold yeah so 
then to bring it back to, to the brother wound part as we get older as men hmm. we now no longer view our friends and our brothers and pals and stuff necessarily as brothers in arms oh interesting yeah. now we view them as competition because now we're competing against them because i have a faster car or a better looking girlfriend or a bigger house or more money in the bank and we're being forced down that road so now when we meet up and we're chatting hmm. and i'm telling you about yeah i got the new beamer outside and you're like all i'm doing there is causing you pain because you're responding to that and like oh fuck he's got a nicer thing than me that makes me feel worse about myself is this quite common in it's everywhere yeah you go with your mates lads are bragging about different things and that's fine with a bit of banter yeah but for everybody in that group somebody feels insecure and i've tested this i know this i know this in certain groups i've i've, I've had conversations that it all leads back to the same thing yeah everybody's just gently testing each other but that's actually causing me discomfort when i see my friend doing really well now because he's not doing really well for the group he's doing really well for himself and that makes me feel insignificant so what i'll try and do is make myself try and seem more significant but that's where the brother room comes in because by me trying to make myself feel more significant i'm making you feel less in, less significant within the group that's crazy as opposed to we're all we're all doing the same thing for the same goal where we all want each other to feel significant that sounds very shallow it's shallow but it's the way society is kind of designed now and this is why i'm saying sebastian younger is a great study of this because it's no longer about the common good Mm. if you work for a company you don't give a shit about the company for the most part you give a shit about yourself and your family yeah so you're trying to promote yourself within the company and earn more for more security so that's not an an evil thing or a bad thing i'm not anti-capitalist or anything like that yeah but you're on your own. It's not a shared thing because you're competing with everybody else in your office for the promotion, mm. for, the, for the pay increase, for the, the, the job that's going to be left after the, the cuts or whatever. So you're subtly just in competition the whole time. And that causes you to feel insecure and you want security and you want significance. Yeah. But to, for you to get that, other people are going to feel insecure. So inadvertently, we're causing each other harm. Interesting. So we're not actually encouraging each other anymore. And like, do you notice now, when, if, if you're in a group of people, it's very rare you hear people, and I've been guilty of this before, yeah. you very rarely hear people encouraging each other. It's so rare. you often hear people, well, and like the band, we call it banter now, and banter can be harmless, but in yeah. a lot of cases, lads, lads and ladies take that to heart. So comments are made, but sure, look, he's only this. And do you hear such and such is doing really well in the job? Ah, yeah, but he's only this. And yeah. do you see such and such got a new car? Ah, yeah, but you know, he's not great here. It's just subtle and it's small, but it's consistent. Mm. And back to your point when we were kids that didn't exist because we were all just playing with each other but now we're competing with each other and when i read this before i was like when dara said this to me after me reading sebastian younger's book yeah. brother wounds i was like that makes so much fucking sense i i can think back to times in my groups of friends where we've all said things me included we've all said things that weren't designed to hurt but were designed to make us feel more significant by making other people feel less significant and that's mental that's crazy. It's such a shift from being incur and it's criticism. It's critique yeah. and criticism and condemnation. I'm oh, sorry, I went deep there. But no, no, it's brilliant though. But they, you lack so much connection then because if you're not trying to obviously be superior to someone else by putting them down in such a way, like by critiquing them in such a way, it's just it that's once again it's gonna affect your friendship with someone. And is that what you mean by the kind of individual lawyers thing that you lack that connection because because of these it's because of many things that we don't have connection. Like it's the way a society is designed now. Like we can't go, me and you can't go and get a job together. Like we can start our own company and work towards a common goal. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people now are starting communities. Mm. Like we're, we're starting communities. Yeah. But if you go work for the local law firm or whatever, um, you're on your own. Yeah. And you're in, in the shark pool. Like, and yeah, we're all, we're all colleagues. Yeah, we're all, we're all mates and we're all go for drinks after work, but we're all competing. 
for the next job for the promotion for more money we're all and it's subtle but it's definitely there because it was when dara said it to me it all made sense to me and I, I can see it now all the time yeah yeah uh, it's there and That's it's mad. not and again when i say stuff like this i have to be i have to always clarify it's not that people are trying to be mean to each other mm. it's it's a it's a natural instinct um, and then that's fueled by so many other things like did you feel insignificant as a child did you get enough encouragement do you regularly get criticized are you being met by criticism in your job in your home by your friends is it everywhere you're more likely to try and gain some significance back by scoring points uh, and you see it like when when banter gets nasty sometimes as well that's true there's yeah. always an undertone to, to some of this banter stuff people trying to level the playing field a little bit because they feel less significant yeah. Jesus, that's crazy. Yeah. It's something. It's something I haven't witnessed all that much. Well, maybe I need to start looking out for a small bit more. You, you might, you might, you might see it now when when you start looking for it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It is subtle and it does exist. And it's, again, it's do you, do you feel like the older you've got, you see it more and more? Yeah, because we're going further and further down that individual path. Like yeah. we spoke earlier on about the older you get, like the less, not the less friends you have. I feel like I have more. Fr- you're like, more selective with your friends. Uh, uh, you're more selective, but you've less people around you. But the friends that you're associating with now, sorry, not like uh, the friends that you have now. You don't feel this um, where you're trying to one up and shit. I'm very lucky now because I've gone down <clears> this path of seeking out people who support me and I support them. And I do my very best, and I'm sure I still do it, but I exactly. do my very best to still try and encourage. Yeah, but you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be associated with someone trying to one up you the whole time and uh, critiquing in that way. Like, think about if you, like, again, I'm very lucky that I've gone down this <clears> path. Think yeah. about you, 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 your friends are from work. Yeah. They're people that you work with, they become your friends. <clears> yeah. You're, there's constant like j- jives there and oh, it, it's, it's yeah. harmless in a lot of cases but like lads making fun of each other's weight lads making fun of each other's hair lads making fun of each other's cars lads making but there are people and it went for women as well but I'm just commenting on what I know yeah. there are lads within that group who are taking our stuff to heart that's true yeah. and then kick them back a little bit because <coughs> they want to re-establish the, the, the pecking order there yeah, yeah. yeah. that's quite interesting yeah. it's a, slight, a slightly um, abstract point but it ties in with the... Uh, definitely with, with criticism. Criticism, yeah. Definitely does. Uh, very much so. So we're going to move on. Yeah, let's do <laughs> We'd be here all day if I take this long and every principle. Principle two, give honest and sincere appreciation. Now, I did not realise how important appreciation is. Yeah. I, I've, I've always been quite appreciative myself, I think, it, in terms of just having a gratitude practice and uh, and just how I am with people already. I'd be very appreciative. Like, one thing I realised is people love appreciation. And I think there was a quote in, in this um, in this chapter, and it was by some American actor, I can't remember his name, but he said, the one thing I need more than anything is nourishment on my self-esteem. And I'm just thinking, like, I that quote, when I read it, I was like, like, we, like, your self-esteem needs to be nourished. You need people around you telling you that you're doing something good. And, and not from a, a place of falsehood. We talked about already, like, being, like, in, in the title, saying the principle being sincere being genuine finding something genuine in what the person is doing and being sincere about it and just giving you know little sparkles i think another phrase in it little sparkles of gratitude towards a person just spreading goodwill out into the world i feel i don't see a lot of it at all because when i read this recently i was out with a few friends um and just a weekend gone by and it just like i already i'm quite outgoing and friendly and i would always tell people kind of what they're doing well and, and just find it good in people I, I love being like that because i think it's such a good response you get in return i'm not doing to go oh, i feel great about myself you know what i mean i actually being sincere once again and being genuine with people and seeing how that has a massive effect on them because nobody else is saying it to them this is what i realized no one we're lacking i think a massive thing nowadays is that people are lacking in appreciation both giving it and also receiving it there seems to be none there 
would you ever or you know even just in <coughs> in general excuse me in general dan do you feel because I, I always tell you you're doing great work you do, do you, uh, <laughs> i love there you go that's uh, like naturally i would just say fair play for what you're doing do you feel many people give you appreciation for what you're doing or just in general do you feel there is this uh, feeling of appreciation just around it kind of links in with the last point, doesn't it? It does. It, it's See, this, we said this at the beginning. They're, they're all, yeah. they, they intertwine, don't they? But it's interesting to hear you say that because you said you weren't really aware of what I mentioned. But it's kind of the same thing. It's a lack of an appreciation, a lack of encouragement. Yeah. So, no, I don't I don't think it's very common. I do think people do it. Mm. Um, I have been the recipient of appreciation in, in, in the primal and stuff like that. People yeah. are very appreciative. Yeah. Uh, I struggle to accept that appreciation because I'm like, I feel like a bit of an imposter. Is, that, is that an Irish thing? You know, <laughs> yeah, when you... Pennies, you, yeah. yeah. I've gotten pennies. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely an Irish thing. Um, can't take a compliment for whatever we, reason. We, we, we really can't take a compliment. But again, I think that's linked with... There's just something in us. I don't know. We, we, yeah. we struggle with that kind of praise. There's but, no harm. I think if someone ever gives you a compliment, say, oh, thank, thanks for recognizing yeah. that. You know what I mean? Because it's almost... You almost aff- maybe don't offend someone, but you know when someone gives you a compliment, you go ah no, not really. No, no, no. It's almost like you're trying to encourage more and, and get more of it. Yeah, but at the or same it's like time, you're disregarding what they're saying. Yes, that yeah. that's it. You're disregarding what they're saying, and you're not I'm not taking it seriously. Where they're like they're giving you praise, just accept it for what it is. Yeah. I think it's really important. But it's like it's something like you wouldn't go a day without food. I'm not, I'm not saying you should get appreciated every day, but I definitely feel that it's something that should be taken into people's consideration more and more often. Say, if once again, if you're working in a business, wherever it is, and someone is doing a good job, let them know they're doing well because once again, that's going to boost their self-esteem and and that boosts their self-esteem, their confidence gets better, they start performing better in work and they're just a better person to be around when, when you have this kind of set up. Yeah. And I think in, in a business sense, it's just, it's too important. So even a team, think about your football team. I'm sure, I'm sure like people always, I think in football teams it's almost more common because when someone scores a goal or scores a point or plays well in the match, you're like, oh, fair play, man, you play deadly. And it's, it's great. It's actually quite rare. Is it? Yeah, and I was only going to use that example when, before you said that there. Uh, see, I'm thinking back to when I played at 16, you see, it's a yeah, different story. Yeah, but again, you, when you're younger, it's a little When you're younger, different, different yeah, story, yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's rare, it's rare enough. It's it's so rare that I would, like I said, I do think it's out there, but I'd notice it when it happens. Yeah. Uh, not with me necessarily, but just seeing it with, with, with people playing with each other and stuff like that, when people gen- are really genuine, saying, man, that was amazing. Uh, and I know, as I, I, like I said earlier on, I don't do enough of it at all, so I'm trying to be more aware of it. Yeah. Uh, he's, he tells a great story. Dale Carnegie tells a great story, and it's about, it's the typical story of the janitor. Yeah. Oh. I often think of that, because I, in, um, I worked on Dublin Port for years, in security didn't know that yeah as, so security then import, as, as a summer job like yeah. and you would be viewed in security and places like that as like part of the furniture or less than sometimes mm. so I had first hand experience with it of being snubbed 95% of the time to the point where you really notice when someone went out of their way to, to like give you a compliment or be appreciative of you and I also worked alongside cleaners janitors baggage handlers drivers truck drivers whatever yeah. and noticed a massive difference if I was appreciative of them and how it would transform the whole relationship and they were nicer to you, you were nicer to them, you got on better, they would, they would be willing to go out of their way to help you, you'd help them. And it just <coughs> created this really nice environment to the so, point where I got really offended, especially there was one of the shifts I had was um, security, I was checking boarding cards or something yeah. beside where the girls would take the, the tickets yeah. to let people through. And people were so rude to these women, so rude. Because you had people come down, and understandably people were 
pissed off waiting in line or whatever. Stressed. But they, there was no excuse for how a lot of the a lot of these people mm. spoke to these girls on the desk. And the girls were lovely and they were very polite and very, yeah. did their job very well. But so many people were unjustifiably rude to these girls. And I took great offence to this. And I used to get in trouble sometimes for like stepping in and saying, here, you want to watch your mouth? Like these people yeah. are just doing their job here. Um, but I was shocked by how little appreciation they got. So it was it was noted when they did get it. And always appreciated when yeah. they did get it. And I was appreciated. People just people just showing a little bit of gratitude or telling you you're doing a good job. Like it, like you said, it really it's great do, for your self-esteem. Great for your self-esteem. And you want to do a better job because you want to live up to that then. You want to perform. You want to give your best. You See, want to be like, oh, yeah. He said, I'm doing great. This is, I'm going to do more great. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is the thing with this book. Like It's made me aware in such a different way. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? How simple, it, but it's really How funny. simple it is, Danny. You're dead right. And it's just, it, like you said, it just hits the point. Like appreciation honest and sincere and the thing I think he mentions the opposite of being sincere is is flattery and yeah. just going out of your way empty flattery empty flattery I think people can see through that and yeah. it, that's almost annoying like oh you're, oh, you're and it you're, has the opposite effect yeah, yeah and people are like get away from me no one likes to you always become suspicious if someone's like oh geez your, your hair looks great and your, your jacket's lovely and all no, this no and that me my hair looks great <laughs> <laughs> I copped that straight away but you know what I mean it's like people don't like that insincerity people like when you're being genuine and actually pointing out something that they're doing well what was the the story? Just to touch on it, the story about the janitor, where it was, uh, where people were. Was it on this one, or it, it doesn't it was, matter? No, I think it, it was on this was one. You're on right, one, it yeah. was. Yeah. Um, there was. I don't know what the facility was, but there's a bunch of people who, who were cleaning, bunch of janitors, and this particular guy was doing a terrible job. Yeah. But everybody laid it on him thick. Yeah. Like told him he was thick. shit, basically thick. thick. <laughs> <laughs> told him I don't know why I said it. Like that. Told him he was, he was doing a shit. You were job. emphasizing how thick it was. Thick. <laughs> thick. <laughs> and. Uh, was it the manager or someone wanted him to do a better job? And, exactly. and she was like, um, well, everyone's giving him a hard time here. So what she would do is when he did anything right, yeah. she would double down on the appreciation and the praise for that thing. There you go. And he then eventually got better and better and better to the point where everybody started to appreciate what he was doing. And he just he just grew into the appreciation because um, he felt worthy then. Oh, you said it. You said it. You said it. You said it. I was going to touch on this because that's what gratitude is. When, when What gratitude is, the feeling of appreciation for what you have in life. <clears throat> And when you actually acknowledge what you have already, you feel whole. Yeah. But when you want something else, you feel lack. Yeah. And that appreciation is just, yeah, I think, oh, I just think it's it's so needed in the world. And the lack of it is, is something just that people become more aware of now. You know what I mean? We all need appreciation. Yeah. We all need to give more appreciation as well, which is really important. I think there was a story that kind of touched the chord at me. And it was about a schoolboy in Detroit. And his name was Stevie Morris. And there was this classroom set up and there was a mouse in the classroom, all right? And the teacher gets everyone to come out, leave the classroom. They're trying to find a mouse, right? And they bring this boy in, Stevie. And uh, he's blind, but he's got great hearing. His hearing's impeccable. It's amazing. But no one else really noticed about the teacher. And she's like, Stevie, could you, could you help me out? Could you find where this mouse is in the, cl- in the class? So he used what nature gives him, which is this impeccable hearing. Like I said before, he's no sight. They find the mouse. They suss it out. Stevie hears us somewhere and the teacher is all over him she's just going oh I can't believe thank you so much she appreciates the fact that his hearing so great she actually says oh my god you got such a natural gift with your ears that changed Stevie's life for the better that was the beginning of a new life for him okay um, and then many years later in the 70s he's regarded as one of the best songwriters and just artists of his time and his stage name was Stevie Wonder and I just thought what a beautiful story is that he is this schoolboy and he's got this, like, you know, he do, doesn't have a sight, 
but he's got his hearing and his hearing's obviously much greater because that's what happened your senses are are um are heightened and then the school teacher comes around comes along and just gives him that little bit of appreciation for what he has what nature has given him changed the whole course of his life i thought what a story i just thought that's the power of appreciation yeah. that's what appreciation can do for anyone it's that you just give the smallest compliment whoever it may be the janitor is a great example as well changes how they feel about themselves it boosts their self-esteem and this is something that we need to nourish more and more of i definitely think so was there anything else from the principal no that's no uh, like i said they're, they're all going to tie in but that's yeah it's, a great it's, story qu- it's weird isn't the way they all interlink it's, it's not it's not weird well it's not weird but it's 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 weird that like you said this is dale had to write this book because he couldn't find anything else because like this is <laughs> it's human it's human yeah. behavior like it's 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 so common yeah and it's so it's everything about us mm. and yet he had to write a book because he couldn't find anything really on it and he didn't they didn't think it was going to be that successful they had like ten thousand copies it's nuts that's crazy do you want some more water yeah i'd love some more water please thank you i'll read the next the next point while you're pouring yes that lovely, go over lovely water there um become oh yeah this is one of my favorites yeah become genuinely interested in other people the word genuine pops up so much doesn't it yeah well it has to be genuine because yeah. like you said otherwise it's it's empty flattery and people can sense that they can indeed i love this Thank one you. this one was really good and this one really hit home with me and i, and I think it would it would um with you too as well dan because obviously you work like you want the best out of your clients when they come into the primary studio your clients are a reflection of your work so you have to become genuinely interested in them because I love when I originally <coughs> came into you and it was it was very detailed. It was all about the mission statement, why you're here, why you're doing it, just everything about it. You took an invested interest in myself and, and Noel at the time, and it was like I could really feel that. And when people know that you're interested in them, they become interested in you, and it's just this whole sort of cycle, and it goes on and on. Was it? What did you take away from from this principle? Well, I find it very interesting, <laughs> but it's it's funny because it's another one of those ones that can can get or can sound a little con- contentious. Yeah. Because people are only interested in how you how interested you are in them. Yeah. But I I didn't know that this was one of the principles in his book, but obviously it has filtered down. So none of this is genuine thought for me. It has filtered down through my experiences in life, or someone I know has read this, or. But I was always of the opinion when I was working in the clinic that most, most if not all people had a story or something interesting they could share or teach me. Almost all people. I love that. And then if I could be interested, and that's an active thing, not just, oh, this person is interesting. If I could be interested in this person, mm. the thing would come out. So I found that the more interested I was, like I, I was actively trying to be interested in people. And in a way, some people are like, it, it's hard to listen sometimes. And or some people like to talk about themselves and stuff. Yeah. The more interested I was, the more interesting people became. And that like, makes complete sense. It was it was weird, like that and makes I didn't know this principle at the time. I was just I was just kind of trying to figure out a way to to connect with people who were because I met a lot of people through through the job that I did. Yeah, and I was like, the more I'm interested in these people, the more interesting they become. I was like, Dan, that's a lesson for life, that's, man. That's so, so good. That's yeah. so so accurate as well. And I recently heard Williamson talk about this because he does a lot on the dating, the dating dynamics and yeah. human dynamics and stuff like that. And he spoke about that as well. But one of the top techniques with dating is to be really interested in a person even if you don't find them that interesting yeah and they become interesting because when you become interested in them they then become interested in your interest it's it's your sense of curiosity exactly oh. and then they start to open up they start to give you more they start to engage more they start to really kind of like you um, and then that means you're more likely to like them i think every person that you meet in life can teach you a lesson yeah. become interested in them and just find out because they they know something that you don't know you want to get to know a person i just think 
I, I just think there's such benefit going back to the principle again but being interested in someone I think you're, you're, you're going to get to know them you can ask a million and one questions it's never ending and people are like I have nothing in common you're, you're both here you're human you've got a soul there's something you can yeah. talk about find something to talk about you talk about anything you want to know about them just ask them where they're born what's their name anything you know what I mean you can, you can find it I just thought that's such an interesting principle. Become genuinely interested in others. Because I think Dale Carnegie had a, a quote at the beginning of the book. And he goes, if you want to make more friends, was it? if you want to make more friends, um, you can make more friends, sorry, you can make more friends in two months by being genuinely interested in people than two years of trying to get people to be genuinely interested in you. Yeah. And I thought it was so accurate. Like, it's a very selfish thing to try and get people interested in you. But what you can do to almost benefit yourself is become more interested in them. And I think this is something that I learned in the past year by working with people, working with clients and doing all these physical transformations with people. It's like my sole interest was them. I was like, I, I want to know everything about you. I want to, what's happening every day. I'm, I'm literally, I want to get the best out of you. And the reason why, and because I obviously wanted the best for them, don't get me wrong. But like, like I said about even your own work, is like your clients are a reflection of your work. So it's also, it's like there is a bit of an alternative, uh, ulterior motive there, but it's like you genuinely do want the best for this person. So you are solely invested in them. And like you ask, people can talk about themselves all day. You can ask anyone any question about themselves. They love, people love to speak about themselves. Yeah. It's just how it is. It's and, just how it is. They might not necessarily even have something to teach you. In a lot of cases they do, but by you being interested, it elevates the quality of the entire relationship everything about your interaction with that person is then elevated mm. because now they're engaged now they are interested because you find them interesting yeah so now the whole thing takes a step to the next level and then they start to become interested in engaging with you more and even if they don't get interested in you necessarily your interaction with that person is much deeper you get a much deeper more meaningful relationship with that person and this isn't like all virtuous and stuff like that it makes it better for you as well the more interested you are in that person but that's curiosity is a beautiful thing then isn't it it really is like you you said it so well there like having that interest is like you're creating a better experience for yourself as well yeah selfish it's, it is selfish, yeah. <laughs> but, you you're, but, you're, but you're doing it in such a good way. Yeah, and like when I when I, I like this, I like this idea of elevating because that person then is going to be elevated on a higher level of whatever you want to call it, energy, frequency, whatever you want to call it. But their interactions going forward then are going to be better as well. So I, I don't know, I don't remember where I heard this, but it's it's kind of like the idea of leave the leave the world a better place than when you found or whatever like that. But yeah. when you have an interaction with a person, you want them to leave that interaction better than when they started it so you don't want to be dragging people then because then that is going to reflect on whatever way you want to visualize it but it's also reflected on you as well it's going to reflect on you so if you meet someone and you're overly interested in them and very curious about them you've elevated you mentioned there (coughs) you elevated them and that association of elevation is associated with you absolutely so you're in their eyes you're a better person for it as well 100 percent. yeah and you are a better person for it you you feel better exactly yeah more engagement from this human being like we're, we're social creatures we need that engagement um, but like, if you want to look mm-hmm. at that as, as how it plays out, then they have a better inter- interaction with the next person that they meet and that person. That, and that comes back home to roost with you as well. So the whole, the whole thing is shifting. The whole energy is shifting. People might think this is getting a little bit airy-fairy here, but I genuinely believe this. I think I drew the circles for you before. Yeah. I've got my little circle, you've got your little circle. And if we're working on trying to improve ourselves, become more aware, encourage, grow more energy eventually circles start to overlap and the whole thing starts to grow together we start yeah. to kind of build this whole feeling together yeah there's more appreciation there's more <coughs> smiles there's all this kind of stuff 
and you mentioned my clients as well i am genuinely interested in my clients obviously i'm running a business yeah. so i want them to be around but <coughs> that's two percent of it but I'm, that's that's a sign of I'm a business invested. i'm interested in these people i'm interested in their stories that's why i got into storytelling podcasting like I, i'm yeah. interested um so yeah it, it definitely it the whole thing elevates i enjoy my day's work because i'm dealing with people and i'm interested in them and by being interested the whole thing is interesting <coughs> you know what i mean man you're a high quali- higher quality person forward as well i feel, I feel like that yeah. I, I think that that's why curiosity comes in and, and it keeps your brain young as well um being curious and being interested in people because you're constantly firing new ideas inside of your own head going what could i figure out here what could i do here what is it and it just keeps you fresh where if you're just having like if you're cutting someone off as soon as you meet them you never learn anything new about them and you're kind of just enclosing yourself where you being interested is like you just open up the veil what's behind here what, what like yeah. you just approach it in a curious sense and yeah. you're taking the lead and setting the setting set, set the how the whole thing is going to go yeah you're not being passive you, no you're actively engaged you're actively you're yeah active you're not being passive yeah. yeah so I, I really like that one that's a brilliant one and um, was there was there any stories that become genuinely interested in other people was yeah he told a few stories i'm, I'm i struggle now because i listened to this whole book in the course of two days i'm struggling oh, to really, separate yeah. all the stories out because there's so many about root roosevelt and fucking yeah. abraham lincoln um but he, he did hammer down on the point that people are mostly interested in themselves. Yes. And if you can understand that, it's going to improve every relationship, every interaction, be mm. it business, be it personal, but you genuinely, genuinely showing an interest. And that was the one point he labored on that one was that it has to be genuine because yeah. people know when you're not actually interested. Oh, he told the story of um, uh, some business interaction where he was trying to get some time with this executive and the executive no uh, time, but his, yeah. his little boy collected stamps. Yes. As soon as he expressed an interest in the stamps. Oh, yes. Or something along those lines. Yes, yeah. Like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your man all of a sudden was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, or maybe that was a different principle, but because they're, <laughs> they're all... They're all interconnected. No, no, I think you made a good point. I think the, the one that comes to mind, it was about um, a judge and he kept some sort of Labrador dogs. It was a dog. Sorry, the dogs. stamps was the other one. It's I took okay. your story. Yeah. No, go for it. Yeah, it was, it was What I roughly remember of it. He ended up like, getting a free dog out of it. Yeah, he got a free dog out of it and he took a genuine interest in it. In, he was over in this, I can't remember the, the context so much of the story, but how it goes anyway is he was over in this judge's house and there were pedigree dogs and these dogs had won award. And your man, just curious as he was, started asking the judge questions about it and asking him about his dogs, what he fed his dogs, what he'd done to get them to that standard, uh, the pedigree standard and win all these competitions and even the color of the bows that they won and everything else. And when someone is interested in someone in something on the subject, they will talk about it for hours and hours and it lights them up inside. You, ever, you probably see it all the time in podcasts. People are talking about a topic that they love to talk about. They talk about it for days and they talk about it with excitement with joy, with interest, and their, you talked about vibration, it's through the roof, their energy is through the roof. And this judge was the same. And he was so, he, he fit. when someone can display how interested they are in something and show someone else, they feel almost, they don't, uh, maybe not necessarily feel, but they want to give something back to that person that's made them feel that way. Yeah. So the judge ended, ended up giving this man, I think this was like a, a pedigree, a, pedigree dog. dog. It was worth a lot of money anyway. And then the, your man was able to bring the dog home for his boy. And it just goes to show, once again, the principle become genuinely interested in other people because it pays off. And there's no interest. Like, you can't, it's very difficult to get other people interested in you, but you can always be interested in them. Yeah. And I think that's a great point.
I don't think there's anything else to add to that. Was there no, that no, principle? No, that was it. it was, uh, there was, and then number four, we'll move on. We'll move on, Dan. Um, we can mention this one. Smile. The power of a smile. The power of a smile. Man. There you go. Yeah. Lights up anyone's day. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And they talked about kind of um, frowning, and obviously the opposite of that is smiling. But do a lot of people smile in your direction? I get. I say you get a lot of smiley people coming to the studio. Oh, when people come into the studio, they smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's a, that's a quite a unique um, situation. Because they're happy to be there. They're happy to be there. It's a nice environment. My clients know me. They think they like me, so they smile when they yeah. see me. They've usually kind of mentioned to, to the person coming in, the studio's cool, you're going to meet Dan, and the person smiles because they're polite when they come in. Yeah. But I, where it's more noticeable is out when in, interesting in the wild yeah uh, walking the streets in your car especially no one smiles each other in a car everyone's mm. fucking frowning at each other everyone's wound up everyone's uh, not everyone but a lot of people stress and everything stress. else yeah um, so it's rare enough to smile at strangers I feel like that's where it's more relevant at this point because like you smile at people you know yeah well, some people don't um, but yeah with strangers that's rare enough I'd find it very rare for a stranger to smile at me and I actually smile at a lot of people yeah and it, I can see people get a bit freaked out sometimes but usually they smile back yeah and it's mad how effective it is like it's actually crazy and how it makes you feel it makes you feel great it makes you feel amazing yeah power of a smile it, like I said it brightens up your day and it, it just it, it emanates that you're happy to see someone and it's a more intimate connection with somebody that you don't know like Definitely. If, if like if you're like playing face or whatever like that, it's it, most people have a bit of a rest and bitch face. I know I have a bit of a rest and bitch face, and uh, but when you smile, it, you've made a, an engagement with that person. Yeah. So they're like, oh, and you're animated as and well. You're animated. Yeah. Like the, the automatic reaction is to smile. It's like when someone yawns, you kind of yawn. Yeah. When you smile, someone smiles back. It's such a positive feedback as well, isn't yeah. it? It's a really nice thing to do, especially I think even if you don't know people, like as soon as you say, for instance, you meet you meet someone that you know. And you're smiling. It just shows signs that you're happy to see them, and it's like it's a joyful experience for them. Yeah. Where you approach someone and they might be frowning, and you're like, "Oh, jeez, I don't even want to be around you." Because and it be- immediately sets the tone. Whether, yeah. Whether it's someone you know or someone you don't know, if the first thing you see is a frown, that sets the tone. If the first thing you see is a smile, it sets the tone. Sets the tone completely. And like this is an experiment. Anyone who's listening to this, all, all the millions of people listening here now, do go and do this experiment. One day, smile at everybody. Yeah. And you'd be absolutely, because I did this before, you'd be absolutely shocked at the response that you get. Because everybody smiles back. Pretty yeah. much everybody smiles back. And every now and again, you get someone who's like, what the fuck is wrong with your man? Like, yeah. is, he, is he all right? But almost everybody smiles back. <laughs> and it changes the interaction you have with people. Like people in the shop start talking to you. People, people. Because uh, you've made them feel a certain way. you made them feel a certain way. People who were, who were going to not let you pull out into traffic, they let you pull out now. They're like, oh, you, you go ahead. Just because you smile at them, like, it's a very positive thing, yeah. isn't it? People who, like, the, back to the appreciation bit, people who are in jobs where they're in customer service or driving a bus, whatever like that, and you smile at them, they feel appreciated because they feel massive. like you've seen them as a person as opposed yeah. to they're just here doing a job. Like, so it's massively powerful. I, like, when I, when I worked in this, that security job, someone smiled at me. I was like, that feels really nice. It feels yeah. nice to be smiled at. Me. It definitely does. Yeah, it's weird. Because you don't lock eyes with loads of people during the day, but there's a certain number of people you will lock eyes with. And if you do, just give them a nice smile. Yeah. Do you know where, where the opposite of that I found was really weird? It was stark London City. Oh, really? People that avoid eye contact at all costs. Like, I think this is one is this when you were over there traveling? Yeah, I would have been yeah. a few times of business or whatever. And um, walking around London's weird. It does not a sense. I, I like London. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a cool city, but it's just no real. It's very, very isolated on the streets. You don't make eye contact with anybody. Like really, I, 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 there's a, there's a, loads of stories going around about asking people for time, and they like them just kind of shake their head and walk on. And 
people um, quite frightened and scared, isn't it? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because there's so many people in the city. It's not. There's not a great sense of connection or something. There. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's very noticeable over there. Well, that's one thing that the Irish people are considered to be great for is their openness and friendliness. Yeah. I don't know about smiles though. <laughs> yeah, <I don't. laughs> like you would get. Yeah, like I said, when I did that experiment, I, like I and I would regularly smile at people now. Mm. Like obviously, sometimes it might be a bad. Do you think you're more conscious? Obviously, you're more conscious. I'm way, way more conscious of it you, now. You think you're gonna do it more? Yeah, I'll keep doing it more. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I do, like I do practice this, so yeah. I, I, but I'll do it more and more. Um, I, I think I do it naturally, but I never ever thought just like, I normally I would smile with people anyway, but now I'm like going, I am smiling. Like, I, like, I, I know that I'm doing it now, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Instead of just nat- letting it naturally happen. Do you know where, where I noticed a weird difference was when I was younger playing football? Yeah. Uh, other teams and other teams, management and stuff like that, like he'd be the hard man, be frowning and scowling all, scowling all the time. Now I smile and it's mad the reaction you get like yesterday with the game and after the game and it was quite a physical it was a rough enough game yeah. and after the game I was walking out and the other team's manager was there and I just gave him a smile as I was walking by he started chatting away to me we were chatting there for 15 minutes we had a great conversation well it's early yeah and it was just like he was like he saw me smiling he was like oh how, how are you getting on? Oh, you played very well. And I was like, oh, thanks very much. Because I think there is that sense of openness with a smile, isn't there? Where yeah. frown is just you're closed off. You're closed off. Yeah, you're closed yeah. off, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, just subtle it's things. It's like an invitation. It's like, it yeah, is. Yeah, like it's an open invitation. Yeah. And a smile can even come true in your voice. Because I think an example they gave in the book was definitely like... Definitely comes true in your voice. Definitely, yeah. Because like, it changes how you feel and it changes your mood. I think the example they gave in the book was um, someone's having a conversation and they're just talking about as you're smiling, people can actually perceive that on the other end of the phone with the tonality of your voice. They can perceive that you're yeah. smiling. Weirdly enough, a smile can almost be heard. Well, I say it to everybody with their podcast stuff, like especially when they're doing like recorded pieces like intros and outros or ads. It's like, add 15, 20%, smile, use the arms, use the body language. And like, but why? No one can see me. It's like, but they can hear it in your mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. You can hear the energy and the intonation and the, the inflection. And That's exactly what it is. You definitely hear it. Um, so it's even more powerful when like we're face-to-face right now, the, yeah. the visual. You're seeing that and you're hearing it in my voice. So you're like, oh, Dan's engaged. He's enjoying himself. It's And then you lean into that. And then I'm like, oh, James is enjoying this. Yeah. And we're Whereas, smiling and we're telling him much we appreciate one another. Yeah. And I'm actually using an example. And you won't mind. I, I don't know if you listen to this or not. But I have a client. Actually, no, I won't name him. Yeah. It's, it's even easier now. He knows who he is. And he, he has a very, very placid, stoic face. Yeah. So when you're talking, for example, he'd be sitting here with this. And he looks like he doesn't care, but he's really, really digesting what the person says because he's super engaged and he's yeah. really he listens to everything the person says. But I just noticed that and I said it to him. And in the next episode of the podcast he was doing, he was more animated and he was giving some of this and little smiles and stuff. And the, the reaction from the, the guest was so different. Not that it was really different, but it was no, really noticeable to me. They were really appreciating his non-verbal feedback, the smiles, the nod, the it's, engagement. I think that's really important man, because if I was to sit here and just be like, Exactly. Given no sort like, of. Am I doing? I'm, yeah. I'm to guess myself. Because what it is, it's it. constant feedback. Yeah. You're seeing how we're reacting. Is this conversation going well, or are you confused about a question? What's going on? If 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 I can't see what you're perceiving, it's like it becomes confusion. Yeah. Confusion, and that doesn't really go anywhere. You know what I mean? No. At least any great conversation. Animation's key, and smile is very important. Smile and. Massive. Yeah, like you said, try out that experiment where you go around smiling at people and see what happens. D- genuinely try it. I'm, go, I'm going to try it anyway. Yeah, do. It's, it's, so, it's so weird because it's so effective. Yeah. It's crazy how effective You haven't stopped smiling since we uh, started know, yeah. on this topic. So the last but not least, <clears throat> this is all about arguments. Um, principle number five that we got written down here is the only way to get the best out of an argument is to avoid it. 
I thought that was so powerful. Yeah, you really like that one. I love that one. I love that one. Not that I wouldn't be very argumentative at all, but I think there, I just, I never came across anything that talked about how to actually deal with a situation that an argument would arise and what to do in that sense. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people even know or understand how to, how to almost avoid an argument because all, all it is <clears throat> in the sense that like if two people are shouting at one another, it's a lot of noise. It's a lot of bad vibration. There's not a lot of goodness there and nothing is being solved or settled. Was there anything in particular that you took away from, from this principle? Why do you think people argue? Um, maybe they're annoyed with one another or there's a disagreement or they're but not. We can, we, me and you could have a disagreement and it could be just like this and we could just disagree. Yeah. But it's not an argument. That's true. What, what, why, what, would you t- what would you say is different about an argument? Some, there's emotion involved in it. Yeah. Yeah, I think people, yeah. Yeah, I think for me with arguments, it's because, and I'm a, I'm, <coughs> I'm guilty of this, I get emotionally attached to things mm. and I link a lot of these things, especially nowadays, we link a lot of these ideas with our identity. Our opinion is who we are. And if you, it's back to the criticized thing again, if you disagree with my opinion, it's a, I view that as a personal attack on me. And that affects it's not you. a personal attack on me, yeah, yeah. but that triggers me and then I get emotional. And when I get emotional, I get argumentative. Yeah. And when I get argumentative, logic goes out the window and yeah. then we're just arguing. Well, that's the thing about humans. We're not logical beings. We're creatures of emotion. Yeah, we're creatures of emotion. Emotion flows through us. and <clears throat> It's quite interesting because when someone does argue with you, it does feel like it's affecting your pride. Or no, it is hurting your pride. You feel, you feel it in your gut. Yeah. As opposed to in your brain. Like. And you become resentful towards them. Once again, these are all interconnected points. I do, yeah, no problem. Um, so, was there anything that stuck out with the that point? I'm trying to refresh my memory now about. He he told a lot of industry stories about people in industry, whether it's oil or steel, and situations where they could have argued their point. They knew they were right. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, and they yeah. could have argued their point. Oh, the examples were brilliant. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. A lot of the examples he used were people who was who were doing his course. Crazy, which is brilliant. And <coughs> the stories he would tell was such and such um, the, 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 this batch was, it was wrong it was handled wrong and we knew it was handled wrong however and this is someone writing a letter to, to Dale Carnegie yeah. uh, by employing the principles from your course and not becoming argumentative they kind of went to the person and just talked to them and reasoned it out and the result was 10 times better than it would ever would have been with an argument whereas if you try to argue your point the other person sets that there's an interesting thing about saying no because he talks about saying yes we're not going to cover it now but yeah. it's, it links in with this that if someone says no you oh. are biologically every fiber of your being dies on that no hill then because now you have set your stall and for you to reverse that what happened there because the camera went off Give it two two seconds, sorry, Dan. No, no, you go ahead. Are we out of out of memory card? We're gonna keep all this in because I like it. The battery's gone, is it? Sorry, Dan. Sorry. No, no, no. He talks about most people's opinions on things are when you ask someone for their opinion on something. In most cases. They haven't really thought about it to any great depth. So their opinion is based on a hastily cobbled together collection of the last few sources of input they got on that particular topic. Well said. So a post on Twitter, a headline on Facebook, and something their mate said. And that's now their hill to die on. So they've taken the stuff they don't really give a shit about or they don't really know much about. Yeah. And they've formed a very loose opinion on this or they've said no or built their side of the argument. Yeah. And now they're going to die on that hill. 
and it doesn't matter what information that you bring to the table i'm dying on this hill because neurologically i'm set now i'm defensive i'm in defense mode hmm. because i've said no or i've said this is my hill and i'm going to die on this hill and nothing can you say can uproot me and i think if anybody thinks about many of the social and cultural arguments and debates and discussions and politics that exist nowadays yeah. that's a really really true principle that i see anyway yeah. is that most people are not <coughs> embedded in these things that we're talking about like there's some important issues out there mm. most people don't care because as we said people only care about things that affect them directly yeah. doesn't make them bad people makes them human i'm one of them and you're one of them as well so yeah. i'm not talking yeah. about other people not about us but we form opinions on everything nowadays we think we have to have an opinion on everything we set that opinion and we die on that hill and I don't care if you bring better information to the table I ain't going to argue my point mm. whereas if you don't make it an argument if you bring some information to me and you are not <coughs> argument, like you said don't, don't make it an argument yeah. if you just bring the information and make it a discussion and you're calm and collective and non-emotive and you hear me out and you let me play it out and this is what uh, Dale spoke about in the book as well hear, hear the person out let them speak and oftentimes they'll speak themselves out of their own argument because yeah. they'll realise you're not fighting back. Mm. There's no resistance <coughs> and they don't keep driving their point home. Yeah. And then you can actually get them on board and get people into a, a mindset where they're open to discussion. Yeah. So I think it's very important. So the argument never happened. <coughs> so have an argument by never having an argument by mm. trying to avoid the argument. Now, I say this stuff and I fall into the argument hole all the time. So I'm trying to become more aware of that. That's Are you getting better I'm, at it? I feel like I'm getting better at it, yeah. yeah. Sl- slowly but surely. Yeah. yeah. I'm more aware of now when I'm being emotional. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I'm still right though, so it's... <laughs> but I'm, yeah, I'm definitely more aware now when I'm, I have an emotional attachment to something or it's triggering something in me and I try and like rein it in a little bit. Like, yeah. Okay, maybe I'll just stop here, let this person make their point and not argue anymore. That's beautiful. I mean, that's development, I yeah. suppose, for yourself as well. I don't agree. Yeah. I don't have to agree. No, we don't. But I don't have to argue. No. So I sound like I... Because you almost lose a bit of your control when you argue. I'm reading the Daily Stoic at the moment, right? Yeah. You read the Daily Stoic? I've read bits and pieces of it. A lot, a lot of the Stoic thing is if you, the one that stuck out to me is if, if you submit to your emotions, you're nothing more than a child. You're a boy throwing a tantrum. If you get mm. angry, ang- anger is a useless, it's not that it's a useless emotion, but it's useless to allow it to control you. Mm. So if I get angry or argumentative about you or something and allow my emotions to control that, I'm just a child. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not a child, I'm a grown-ass fucking man. Yeah. So if I want to get angry and I get emotional, no, 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 I, I can feel the emotion, I can acknowledge, right, I'm angry. Why am I angry? I'm angry because ABC. Okay, now let's re-engage with this person or point or whatever. You don't have to act on that emotion. I don't have to act right then. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I can give it a sec. Like, you have an emotion con- in control. You're in control, yeah. yeah. And there's a difference between that and suppressing emotion. I'm not talking mm. suppressing emotion, but understand that it is an emotion and that you don't have to act on that emotion. I think that's powerful. Mm. And I'd like to be better at that. That's the one I'd like to be good at. Yeah. yeah. There there was a story. Which one sticks out in my mind? There was a story in there that kind of stuck out um, from that principle in particular. I think it was got to do with a government tax inspector. And then I think there was a tax accountant. And anyway, it's over the phone. They're discussing this. And there's $9,000 not accounted for. <clears throat> and they're going back and forth, back and forth for an hour. They're arguing the government tax inspector is like he's standing his ground he's like he wants him to do this and that your man's going no can we do it a different way they're loggerheads with one another and it's going back and forth so loggerheads yeah (laughs) so the the tax accountant goes how can i change this situation because we're going back and forth for an hour here and nothing's been resolved at all and he changed his attitude towards the government tax inspector and what he done he found 
something in the in the inspector that he appreciated. So he goes, listen, I know this isn't a serious job for you at all. It's quite a menial job. I respect the work that you do because you're in the front line having to deal with these situations every day. You actually have a job that I admire so much because your experience of firsthand where I've learned everything through a book. So he'd start going down different paths, how he learned. And then the government tax inspector, his tonality, his, his own attitude changed towards him because the tax accountant had realized that sorry the tax account sorry I'm getting uh, muddled up now the tax accountant realized sorry ah, the the government tax inspector going back and forth going back and forth between the two of them he realized he realized he had to change the situation basically right so he changed he found something that he admired about the man or that he appreciated and then as soon as the government tax inspector realized this his whole attitude changed towards him he became much more sympathetic towards him and then they had a conversation about you know everything got to do with him about his family his interests his friends and at the end of the conversation the conclusion was it completely changed course it completely changed course and then three days he said listen i'll get back to you in three days and we'll resolve the situation three days later he calls him back again and everything is good they got to settled. whatever happened with the nine thousand, it was all good then and then the the when you're reflecting on that when you're looking back on that what was the difference in that situation was the government tax inspector he kept standing his ground because he wanted to feel a sense of authority he wanted to feel a feeling of importance and that that argument gave him a feeling of importance and this is what people have to realize as well and something that i kind of copped on as well when i was reading this is when someone is arguing with you they're trying to get their point across but also it makes them feel a certain way it makes them feel like an authority over you and it's just like if you can become less defensive and find a way to change your attitude towards the situation things can actually turn out well for you because in that situation i think for the tax accountant it turned out well from it's a very long-winded story but what i'm trying to say is you can actually diffuse arguments and construct them in such a way that the the solution or say that the conclusion turns out well for you but it's all about diffusing arguments and the way you do it very long winded sorry Dan no no you're, yeah you're back <laughs> on there um, and it, it is interesting it's a nice way to kind of round round out a lot of the stuff a lot of these points and principles that mm. we're talking about because if you understand that as human beings we are all susceptible to these drivers these triggers these these behaviours we all have a need for importance and relevance and significance. Like we spoke mm. about a lot of these different things today. Um, if we can understand that, that's where this whole influence piece comes in. We can literally change the course of how our lives go and the lives of people around us go. Yeah, you can change other people's behaviors. You can change other people's behaviors. And that's where the negative connotation comes in because people think like, oh, well, you're a con man or something now. And it's like, no, if, you're, if your um, intention here is good, if your intention here is to raise all ships, for me to do well and you to do well. Mm. Yeah, and part of that is me doing well, but part is also you doing well. Yeah. Then that's a that's a good thing, I think. This can be used for a great power comes great responsibility, can be yeah. used for, for bad or good. But I think there's a there's definitely a way to improve how people who interact with you feel. Yes. Definitely. And by extension, like you just said there, the outcome will be different for everybody because if people enjoy being around you, if people like Peterson talks about this sometimes as well with, with children. Mm. You you want to you want people you want to create children, create children, or, or raise children that are likable, but not that they're just succumbing to everybody's kind of whim or they're a walkover, but they're genuinely nice to be around because if they're nice to be around, 
their outcomes in life are going to be way, way better. Well, look, we're, we deal with people on a daily basis. So why wouldn't you want to be a good people's person and exactly. that people like being around? Sense. If you like being around someone, they'll like being around you. It's just as simple as that. Yeah. And you just have to, like, like it goes back to that point, be interested and find out more about them appreciate them what is that smile Smile. there you go all all the all the principles are all intertwined it's beautiful dan i think we're gonna live there there's one round out sentence he keeps saying in this book that i want to just say and i think you know which one this is but it is be hearty in your approbation and lavish in your praise he repeats it over and over and over and over again i think it's a nice way to kind of it's beautiful encapsulate all of it it. is Uh, because it's 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 that active positive forward thinking like praise people yeah be appreciative and hearty in your approbation. Approbation is to is not to condemn someone. It's like approbation a, is praise as well. It's is approval it? and praise. Yeah, to to. I'll be real. Say be hearty to be real about. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be yeah. hearty as in to be yeah. to be um, genuine and full and sincere. Sincere. Yeah. And so when you're giving it, you're giving it with all of you. Yeah. And you're, you're leaning into it as opposed to yeah, you did pretty well there. Like, Don't even mean it. That was excellent. Really, really good. Really love what you did. Great podcast. Great podcast, James. Fantastic <laughs> host. The cup of tea, man, was absolutely gorgeous. There you go, gorgeous, like that, that kind of stuff. Very hearty, yeah, very hearty, yeah. <laughs> and he and I like it makes you feel good as well because you're animated and you're engaged. So yeah. that sentence for me rounds out a lot of this. Book, very well yeah. said, Dan. It's an absolute pleasure once again. Definitely won't be the last time you're here because I love having you around. So um, I'm under pressure now to read books. Yeah, like, we're, doing a, we're doing a podcast. I, in two I, weeks. I enjoy this because, like I said, we're going to learn so much more by just talking about it out loud. Absolutely, yeah. Book oh. club. We're doing book club. Book club. Yeah, it's, it's on. Sign me up. It's on now. Dan, thank you very much. If people are looking to find you, what do they type into your Instagram? Oh, on Instagram, I am Primal Pro on Instagram. That's the uh, the, the company page there, but a lot of stuff I put up there is stuff I've learned, podcasts I'm doing, people I meet, etc., etc., etc. Lovely stuff. Anywhere else? I have the website there. You can email me, dan at primal.ie. Um, don't phone me. I'm not going to give up my phone number. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, most people get me on Instagram. I'm, I'm probably active on Instagram most Perfect. days. Um, Happy days. DM, yeah. James, thanks so much for having me on. No problem at all. It's always a pleasure. All the best, everyone. Have a nice time. Peace. Boom, shakalaka, waka. How did you like that for an episode? Well, listen, I, told, I always look after you. I'm trying to provide some value and I hope it's in there somewhere. But uh, <laughs> like I said before, oh, I think everyone. I think everyone should, if they get the opportunity, either read or listen to the book. I think it's a great investment. If uh, like I have an Audible membership, I think it's like a tenner a month, and you get one credit. You basically listen to a book while you're driving in the car. There's nothing better. And if you listen to this book or read it, how to win friends and influence people, it will change how you interact with people for the better. You will become a better person. And like I said before, you're going to develop your people skills, them soft skills, how to communicate effectively, you know, how to resolve situations, you know, how to change people's behavior. This is what it's all about. And I'm telling you, this book has made a massive difference to my own life. And I don't say that lightly, like I said in the episode as well. It's made a massive difference. And I hope it can do the same for you too. So listen, um, if you've came this far, you know how I am. I always appreciate every listener, everyone that checks in. Everyone that shares or listens to it, greatly appreciate it. I really, really do. So uh, thank you so much if you came this far. Your time, your energy, your attention, that's valuable. It's so, so valuable. Um, and always spend it wisely. All right? So listen, with love, um, wishing you all the strength. Have a great day. I'm on a good buzz at the moment. Pretty hear my voice. But uh, yeah, I hope the same for you too. If you're looking for me to reach out, you know, I'm at James Hempton on Instagram, James Hempton on YouTube, James Hempton on Twitter, 
And yeah, of course, my name is James Hempton and this is The James Hempton Show. Until the next one, people, lots of love, wishing you a great day. Um, Take it easy and I will talk to you soon. All the best.